Are you constantly copying and pasting the same emails over and over again? Or logging in on the weekends just to see if your clients have arrived to their destination safely? Or are you constantly feeling like your clients are sending half pieces of information, causing you to have a string of emails that could potentially qualify for the Guinness Book of World Records? Yeah, we get it and we've been there. Imagine this though. This weekend, instead of picking up your phone and rushing to your computer, you pour your coffee, you enjoy a slow morning, all knowing that your clients have received automated touch points, empowering them with information about their trip, or they've received a form allowing you to seamlessly collect their preferences and information in one transaction. We've been asked for years to do something, and we finally did it. We've converted our massively popular client communication templates into a format that can be input into any CRM or email platform. If you're wondering if the client communication templates are worth the hype, you are going to want to check out the testimonials on our website of real advisors who took the leap and decided to work smarter, not harder. So regardless of whether you're using TravelJoy or you're just using an email platform and a form creator to send your client communications, you can transform your day from reactive emails that you copy and paste over and over again into a scheduled and streamlined workflow that allows your clients to relax and know that you are at the top of your game. In one booking alone, you could cover the cost of your new workflow and revolutionize the entire way that you do business. Start 2024 off on the right foot and give yourself the gift of consistency and boundaries. Get your 44 emails, 14 forms, two task lists, and editable header graphics through the link in the show notes. This episode is one that I have a feeling will get a lot of downloads, not because it's particularly shiny or sexy, but because it is one topic that affects every single advisor of every season of their business and within every business model. It also happens to be a topic that feels heavy and a little risky, despite the intention being to mitigate risk. Today, we are talking about selling travel insurance. We've invited Susan Barbanel of Travel Insured onto the podcast today. Not only have I met with Susan in person and we had an amazing coffee date, but I am an avid travel insured client and I swear by their offerings for my own personal travel. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teeth. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat and join us to talk all things travel and business. Welcome, Susan. Let's kick this off about you and give us a little bit of your career history, your background, how you got into travel insurance, and then we're going to dive into all the questions that people are just dying to know. Well, I've been with Travel Insured for 13 years now, and it's really a testament to our company who's been around for 30 years 
when you ask people in our sales department, especially they've been here 20 years, 30 years. I mean, it's amazing. So it's a, it's a company that we all really love working for and really respect. So with that, I would say my past history was not in insurance. I'm a travel person, so I can relate to our advisors who are out there. So I get it. Insurance is a little, you know, ooh, so we're going to break it down, make it simple for you. Yeah. It is something that like a lot of people, they just don't want to spend the extra money. They've put a deposit down and it feels like this extra hit that you didn't necessarily budget into it. But we're going to talk about all of that. I think everyone that's listening to this podcast is just like crossing their fingers and hoping that every client purchases travel insurance. But let's jump into all the nuances of travel insurance specifically. So at what point of the client experience process do you feel like advisors should initially offer insurance? I would say the easiest and the best way. And and I know that we have a lot of new advisors out there. So it can be scary sometimes to ask to talk about insurance or even bring it up as an additional cost. Mm -hmm. Um, But don't be afraid of it because, you know, and we'll get into all the reasons why, but the best time, honestly, to offer it is when you are offering their package when you send an email, you would do a quote and send the quoted insurance price with the package. When they're putting money down on their first initial trip deposit, that's when you collect money for the insurance. It, it's really upfront. You, yeah. you know, you don't want to add it on or mention it, oh, a year later or 20 days later. <laughs> Definitely not 20 days later. And we'll get to why that in a minute. Okay. So you're saying when someone presents the package, I even believe that it would be helpful to just kind of like tee it up on the intake call. Like mm-hmm. I am going to quote you your package, but also add some education on, I'm going to provide you with travel insurance as well at this time. This is the benefit to it. And I'm going to give you the resources to look over it. I don't want to overwhelm you on this intake call with that information, but I definitely think it's something that you should factor into your budget. So I want you to have that information up front. Yeah. Just managing expectations goes a long way in this business. Right. And they look to you as the advisor, the expert. So you need to bring them down that road. And it's they will trust you. They're trusting you with their, you know, investment of travel and their package that they're buying with you. And I think they will definitely agree to look at things that you provide them. So it's important to do it up front and not be afraid of asking them, you know, for this additional money. I have been told before that there are some states that don't allow you to quote without consent. So is there any truth to that? And I, I want to say like asterisk, asterisk, like we are not legal counsel, of course, like seek insight from your state specifically, and we're not giving legal advice here. But is there any truth to that of what you've heard? Like you cannot quote for someone without them stating, yes, I do want to quote for insurance. I actually have not heard that. I think, no, that's interesting. And I'm going to look into it. But, you know, because each state has their own rules. And that's why it's so persnickety, if you will, that we don't even have rate sheets for our products because each state, some states may have a different rate. So there are some things with different states. So it wouldn't surprise me if that were true. But being in the industry, I hadn't heard that yet. Okay. So the rule of thumb here is definitely look into that, but also maybe find some community within other advisors in your state that 
you know, are educated and maybe ASTA would be a great resource for that as well. But I think like look into your state's requirements when it comes to travel insurance before you jump in. Because I heard that and I was like, well, that's so interesting. And it actually held me back from quoting in the beginning. And that's why I put on my inquiry form, do you want travel insurance quoted or my client profile form? So that I was getting that consent before I ever got to the point of quoting. And that way I was just kind of like mitigating that and I had it in writing on a form. And it could be that, you know, you cannot include it in a package price. Um, You can't have it be an opt out. It has to be always an opt in. So that may be what it is that you're talking about. But I mean, just saying, you know, in a separate line, you know, uh, I here is a quote for the travel protection. It's going to include this. You know, this is the that's an option. You know, it always has to be optional. Okay, I like that. I like the thought of not opting out, but making sure that that clients are aware that it's an opt-in. So anytime you do send a package, maybe you're making your invoice, remove that created as an its own line item so that if there is any anything push come to shove, you you have it as proof that you actually had it as an opt-in and someone could have authorized the payment for just the package or they could have authorized the payment for the package plus the insurance. Correct. And and I know that you mentioned at one point in our conversation, you might mention about making it mandatory. And, you know, that's kind of an interesting question there. It, it sort of goes along with what you're talking about now, because if you are, say, putting together a group and you say, in order to travel with us, you need to have this level of insurance of protection while you're away, like 50,000 medical. You can't say you have to use travel insured, but you, in order to travel with us, you need to have this level of protection. Okay. So we, for context here, one of the notes for this podcast is I had a question asking, can you require every traveler under your book of business to purchase travel insurance. Because to me, I'm like, if I were to restart a business tomorrow, that would be a minimum expectation. I would be like, just letting you know upfront on the intake call, everyone that I accept as a client, because I do as a travel advisor and as my own business owner, have the autonomy to make a decision on whether I accept you as a client or not. We are not obligated to accept anyone into our book of business. I would say it is my responsibility and it is my minimum expectation of everyone within my portfolio to purchase travel insurance for every trip that they go on with me. Now, there's a dual purpose to this. I obviously would prefer them to purchase it through me because then I have the commission protection. But the second point of that, obviously, is because there's always this it just feels like this overhang of anxiety from anyone, especially with this very high ticket price point of any trip. You're like, please don't let anything go wrong. Please don't let anything go wrong. I have had clients, I had a group of three couples, one couple accepted travel insurance. That one couple, thank God it was them. That one couple, the wife fell and broke her hip the day before travel. And so they were all in perfectly good health. There was no reason to believe anyone would have any risk, but obviously that's life, right? Like 
we can't predict these things. Just because someone has, you know, an existing condition, that doesn't mean that person may get ill. It could be a car accident. It could be all of these, like knock on wood, like all of these things. It's just the variables of life. Right. You never know what's going to happen. So you can't require someone to purchase it from you, but you are saying that you could set a minimum expectation of a client that it is my expectation that by the time of travel, you have, uh, I want to say acquired travel insurance because maybe they're using their credit card. Yes, but you can put minimum of benefit levels too. Like, yeah. So you can say as a business owner, I require you to have trip cancellation. That's a hundred percent. And it has to cover the, I mean, you could get really into the nitty gritty if you want, but you can say, I would say, you know, if you're traveling overseas, a minimum of 50,000 medical is important. It's important to have that because especially, you know, they're over there and you don't know what's going to happen. And then for a trip cancellation, you know, that's kind of up to you, but they would have to prove to you, I think, you know, like, yeah, you know, if they're not going to use your preferred vendor, your preferred travel protection company, Mm -hmm. then they should be able to show you, yes, here is my travel protection. And you should, as, as a business owner, be able to say, well, I'm sorry, that's not adequate. You know, you need to have something else or yes, that's fine. Or here's my preferred vendor. I think that's just the cost of doing business. For example, if you're a virtuoso agency, you have to have a, a, I won't go into it, but an XYZ amount of, you know, insurance coverage. And that is the cost of doing business with them. So to me, it's, it's just the same as an affiliation. Someone should carry the appropriate amount of insurance to work with you. All of this makes complete sense. I think so many people are scared to cross a line legally with their clients that they don't require that. I don't know anyone actually that like full stop requires travel insurance, but to me, that would be the model I shift, I would shift to, especially like post 2020. We can see that these things can happen and they do happen. And you could put it in your, your terms and conditions too. And I would say, really with terms and conditions to have a lawyer look at them. And, you know, there are travel advisor lawyers out there. So, so 100%, we had a section and we have a section and I'll put the link in the show notes to this. We have a relationship with the legal page who created a terms and conditions agreement. That's amazing. And it's a template and you can edit it with your lawyer to your specific state, but it does have a section specifically for outlining the expectations of travel insurance. So if you were going to require that, then it would be added to that section. So I love that. It's definitely to me a must have to have in your terms and conditions, whether you require it or not, you should have a section outlining that it is the responsibility of the client if they want travel insurance to obtain that on their own or through your preferred vendor. Like there just should be verbiage around that in the terms and conditions so that they know it has been their responsibility. Next question, because I feel like I could go into the nuances of all of this. Travel insurance. (laughs) Sink my teeth into this, which is so, like you said, it's like so nerdy. I love it. It's one of my favorite topics. And I think it's one of those topics that when you find yourself on like a fam or something, people talk about it for an hour. It's like one of those things that comes up at the table and they're like, how are you getting the declination? How are you getting the acceptance? What are you doing to protect yourself? And it's just not one of these topics that people are doing a round table on typically or something like that in these communities, but it is something that comes up and there's just like a lot of gray area around it. So I'm really glad that we're diving into this. 
we talked about what you can legally require, but are you legally required as a travel advisor to offer travel insurance? I have heard yes. I don't think there's any law surrounding it. I would say, obviously, it's best practices. And you just open yourself up for issues and being sued if you don't offer it. So it's just in your best interest. And, and you know, it sounds heavy and scary sometimes when we talk about these rules or regulations. But I do think that it's always in the best interest. You just want to protect yourself, protect your company, and the, obviously the traveler who's going to get the insurance. For sure. Okay. So it's not legally required. This whole time I thought it was legally required. So it's like on every form. I've got extra forms for it. Like our workflow, our client communications templates that we sell in our shop, they have three emails dedicated specifically out of the 44 to travel insurance. And that verbiage is also integrated into multiple other emails. Like if you haven't yet, purchase travel insurance through here. And I know that Travel Insured has a link that advisors can actually generate like an affiliate link and they can integrate it there. I'm jumping ahead a little bit with this, but I prefer to use the link because I felt like I was taking on additional liability by selecting a plan on behalf of my clients. And maybe I don't know any pre-existing conditions. Maybe I don't know specific needs that they have for insurance. So if you are offering them travel insurance, is there any risk to quoting a specific package for them or should we empower them to do that on their own? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I would, because again, you are the advisor and I would say, and and this kind of gets into other questions that we're going to talk about, but your conversion rate is going to be much higher if you provide a specific quote to that traveler because it is a unique quote for them and their trip specifically. You send that quote to them and you can have multiple plans on that quote. Okay. I mean, we make it simple with just two plans. So you're either going to go, you know, robust uh, worldwide trip protector or our basic. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Right. Like anyone going out of the country should, you know, have the full protection, which is worldwide trip protector for us. So you can get specific if you want, or you can have them kind of choose between the two plans. But again, I would say your conversion rate is going to be higher by sending a quote via email. And this gets into more questions saying that this email is also your protection saying, Mm -hmm. obviously you provided the option of insurance if, if you're making it optional. Okay. So let's do a hypothetical because this is where my brain goes. I go to the what ifs of everything. So say that I sent a quote to someone. I did the two options maybe. And one was more robust. It included CFAR. They didn't purchase that maybe within the 14 days. Is it 14 days for you? Uh, 21 days. 21 days. Okay. Point of clarification. And that varies from every company. So just like be aware CFAR is canceled for any reason. To me, always, always, always know the parameters of when you can quote it and always be quoting it within that time frame to me i think it's extra protection like yes i did quote it within the right time frame if you ever get anyone pushing back and saying i want to cancel and then they're miffed at you because they can't get a refund you can say well i did quote this within the the time frame that you could have purchased it and you didn't choose to okay i'm deviating from that but what if you quote an insurance policy that doesn't cover something they come across for example maybe their trip got 
I don't want, I don't know the nuances of the plan, but maybe something happened on their trip that wasn't covered, like a, a delay. And it was something maybe that could have been covered had you added something on, but maybe you didn't add that add on for them when you quoted yeah, I it. Don't, I don't want advisors to be afraid of not providing the optimum option. I, I don't know how to say it, but you are offering insurance. You're not necessarily selling it. You're offering, here's okay. my trusted uh, partner. This is who we work with. And, and and it's not just about the insurance. It's about the back end with customer service and claims. And who do you call? You have an, you know, an account manager, blah, 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 right? Like, so you have people. That's your partner. This is my partner, Travel Insured. Mm-hmm. You can choose to purchase it or not. So you are not liable for them or the policy they choose. They may look at it and go, yeah, that's not enough coverage. I'm going to go over here and purchase a different policy from somebody else. That is their their prerogative, right? Okay. So I love that because to me, I would add verbiage around my email and say, like, this is my preferred vendor. I've gone ahead and I've created a quote for you. It is your responsibility as a traveler to ensure that the quote that I've provided prior to purchasing covers everything that you feel necessary for your trip. I am not an insurance broker. And if you want to have more in-depth conversations about this specific coverage, please see XYZ. And you could have maybe the customer service line, or you could even, if you have like a, maybe a broker friend, but how would you handle that if a client has more questions about their policy, because now we're getting into the question of what can you not say when selling insurance? Right. It's the do's and don'ts of travel insurance. And we can do a whole podcast on that. But (laughs) but the the do's and don'ts, I mean, it's super simple for advisors. And again, I don't want people to get bogged down in the nitty gritty of it, but I know you would love to, but... but (laughs) I might be the only one, Susan. Keeping it simple for most people, I think, you know, you're, again, you're offering the travel protection. We have marketing and we have a website. So you can send PDFs, you can read from the PDFs what the coverage is. You can, you know, send the quote. Obviously, everything's going to be on the website. You can dig deeper that way. You can't interpret the benefits or the coverage. So you can't say, well, you know, this policy has XYZ coverage. And I don't think that's enough. You know, like you can't do that. Advise. You cannot apply subjective advising. So, and that's kind of where I got nervous with providing a quote was like, could this be interpreted legally? Again, I always go to the extreme. Could this be interpreted legally as advising someone to purchase this product? Right. And it's, it's not, you know, don't worry about that. But, okay. You know, it's, it's super simple. You provide, here's your quote. This is again, my trusted partner. And if you have questions, please contact their customer care line, you know, and you provide the number or the email and, you know, our company will even do a three-way call if it's an important client of yours and, you know, you want to be on the call to make sure they're getting the info they need. So it's important that you steer them towards okay. the travel insurance company for specific questions. Okay. So provide resources, empower your clients to seek out information on their own should they have anything deeper, but you can provide a quote. It's going to probably be the best point of conversion if you provide the quote. And I agree with that because people, when they get into the website, I don't think it's daunting, but I know what I'm doing. So 
I got a quote from a travel advisor one time and it was with Travel Insured. And I've worked with travel advisors before because I'm not always the one that's the lead traveler on the trip. Sometimes I'm I'm the guest of a party or something like that. And I got a policy and I knew how to edit it. So I went in and edited it to exactly what I wanted. But maybe there could be some coaching or something on like, if you want to edit it, just click, you know, it literally says like, click edit, edit coverage or something like that on the page. But sometimes people don't read, we know that. So that is something that I, I think is really interesting. What are some other best practices for converting clients to purchasing insurance? Think of like the best account who sells insurance. What are they doing that's nailing it? And what is convincing their clients to purchase? So I would say that I have a lot of great accounts that, I mean, it is in their P&L, how much insurance they're going to do, right? That's another uh, question about leaving money on the table. So Mm -hmm. it is important, obviously, for that reason, for commission. But they would always, you know, it's not like first pass done, right? Like, so you want to continually ask them. It's never too late to add insurance, by the way, to your traveler's package, because you can add insurance up to 24 hours prior to departure. And we do have a pre-existing medical condition waiver, which is important, right? Most people have a pre-ex condition. So if you purchase the Worldwide Trip Protector within 21 days from deposit, and we count the day after deposit is day one, then you would qualify for the pre-existing medical condition waiver. Now, if after the waiver is over, say it's 30 days after they made deposit, our look back for pre-existing conditions is 60 days. So that's not horrible. That's two months. And then, yeah, and then if, they still never purchased insurance. So maybe they're not really concerned about the investment of travel, trip cancellation. But you know, they're going to like Morocco. You want to make sure that they have medical and evacuation, right? You can convince them maybe, but they should have that. And they can put in a $0 trip cost in any quote, and they will get all the post-departure benefits. And post-departure is medical, evacuation, trip delay, baggage, misconnection. All of these benefits are with them. And it's very inexpensive, in my opinion. I mean, it's like $40, $50, $60. Okay, you just blew my mind. I did not know this. So you don't have to cover the value of the trip if you're not looking to cover any cancellation benefit. That's correct. You, You can put a zero as a trip value in order to get the actual benefits of medical. Oh my gosh. I didn't know this. This Travel insurance. I know it is like, I don't think a lot of people know, but travel insurance is broken into two parts, pre-departure and post-departure. So pre-departure is just trip cancellation and some trip interruption. Okay. Post-departure is all that other you know, list of things, which is, there's a lot, right? That's a lot. lot. Well, trip interruption too. Like I was just on a trip and I had, I had to come back. So is that, that's, that wouldn't be covered though, because that's based on the value of the trip. So there is a $500 return airfare on trip interruption. The only thing, you know, you you keep in mind though, that there is no pre-existing medical condition waiver with Mm -hmm. zero costs. So if you're heart problems and, you know, that kind of thing. But it doesn't, you know, it's still so important. And I think people don't think about it, you know. So there's always an opportunity to protect your traveler is the bottom line. 
Okay. So say that someone has mentioned in passing that they have a pre-existing condition or they have something, I don't know. You just feel like, you know what? My rule of thumb is I want every single traveler in my book of business to have insurance. Are you legally able to maybe add a zero on that insurance policy and say, I'm going to build that into my fees and I'm going to purchase a, a policy on their behalf? Are you able to purchase a policy on behalf of your client so that you have peace of mind? I would say no. I would not practice that only because, again, it has to be an opt-in. You know, you don't want to get in any kind of, and, and I don't know that it's illegal because I'm not sure about the legality, sure, sure. but the regulations on it is opt-in only. Um, I will say, and I, I think it's it's something we'll talk about anyway, but you don't have to protect the whole trip cost when- Okay, go into that. Yeah. yeah. Because I think it's important for people to know, because they say they have a $5,000 trip cost, and this leads into money on the table too. And there, I did a quote, you know, before we talked, so $5,000 trip cost, and uh, they're 53 years old. That's like a $300 policy on the Worldwide Trip Protector. They don't have to protect the entire trip cost when they are putting their deposit down because they're, I mean, who knows, but that's the pre-departure concept. So right, the the insurance could be bigger than their deposit, which nobody wants to do that. So you can just protect the deposit. And I would say the next time they put money down, maybe it's six months from now. Okay. So say they put a thousand dollars down, they just protect the thousand dollars. And then six months, they put another thousand dollars down Within 21 days, just so that you keep that pre-ex waiver, right, on the Worldwide Trip Protector. Is that a new policy or do you actually call in and increase the existing policy's value? And you can, by the way, do all this on our website. So you can modify your policies yourself. This is very helpful information. I just want to say, like, I know this isn't the topic that, like, everyone's, like, Jones in to hear about, but... This is mind boggling. And I wish I'd had this conversation with you years ago because I feel like I understand the possibilities a lot more right now. And I booked a portion of a trip, an Airbnb, like months ago. It was a a reschedule from two canceled trips, like a whole thing. It was a whole thing. And then I booked an entire other piece of the trip that was surrounding that Airbnb booking with the airfare and everything like that. I put insurance down on the value of the new trip and I excluded the Airbnb because I didn't want that date skewing what I just deposited. So I'm not covering the value of the Airbnb, essentially. Now, is that possible? Like, did I do something wrong? Because, and I'm admitting this on because I don't think I did anything wrong because I'm not, I'm not covering the value of that. I don't anticipate if anything happened with the Airbnb, I would just, I would just call it a wash. It's not, I wouldn't file for it. I'm not going to be sketchy about it, but the trip value for the rest of it was like a hotel in Venice and everything like this. And I'm like, I want to ensure that portion of the trip. If that, if that gets canceled, I want to make sure I've got my pre-departure benefits on it. So did I do anything wrong with that? Did that that make sense? So what, you know, with our policies, you don't have to insure the full trip costs to start with, by the way. I mean, if you just want to insure the land and maybe not the air because you're going to use that flight, you know, somewhere else if you cancel. 
you don't have to. So a lot of travel insurance companies, you have to insure the full trip costs in order to qualify for pre-existing medical condition waiver, but not for us. So if you just want to insure $3,000 of a $10,000 trip, you can, and you will have pre-existing medical condition waiver on that and on your trip. Okay. And the reason I ask is because I did CFAR and I was like, well, I I did cancel for any reason. So I want the pre-departure benefit on the bulk of this. And again, the Airbnb, like I paid for a long time ago. It's a non-issue. It's paid off in full. So I'm like, I don't want to include that. And I want my CFAR to cover this this bulk. And I did deposit the uh, trip within days of purchasing the CFAR for the rest of it. So I wanted to make sure I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, no, that's fine. You don't have to include everything. But also if you were, and, and this goes back to what we were talking about, depositing or collecting money as a traveler is adding money to their trip within 21 days, we'll keep that waiver intact. And you just increase the insurance for them. It's simple, right? So that's important. But if you wanted to add on that Airbnb now, you could, you know, like it's okay. You you don't have to, you can do as little or as much as you want on your trip. But it would have skewed the deposit date. That's what I was worried about because well, I paid oh, the deposit date because you had deposited on that one earlier. So I was like, I'm just going to call that a wash so that I can purchase CFAR. Right. That's that's correct. Because CFAR can be purchased within 21 days of initial trip deposit. Yeah. So I just excluded that portion that had been yep. prepaid no, because fine. I was like, I don't want to, I, I want the CFAR for the air and everything else. And it's a separate purchase too. It's like a whole separate thing. So that's fine. Okay. So I have an additional question to that. I just purchased air for that trip. So does the 21 days start over from that next purchase? So like, I, right. okay, so I have to increase the value of my trip within 21 days of any value increase in order to maintain that CFAR for that next additional Correct. thing. Or okay. the pre-existing medical condition waiver. And that's on our worldwide trip protector. We do have another plan, the EDGE plan, and that doesn't have CFAR anyway. So, Okay, amazing. So let's talk about acceptances and declinations. Is there anything that you've seen historically that has been challenged where someone was like, I wanted insurance, but it wasn't in writing or something like that, and a travel advisor had any ramifications because they didn't capture that in writing and they didn't sell travel insurance? So it, it's interesting, you know, I think in the past, things were a little bit more casual and, yes. and now <laughs> insurance and specifically is very tightly regulated. And we as insurance companies have to treat everybody the same way. So I could love working with you and love, you know, and I want to do this exception for you, but unless certain things are in place, I cannot. So it's not that, you know, we, it's not that we're not looking to help. So what I'm saying is that we, if you have a traveler say, and we do exceptions all the time, but if you have a traveler saying, oh, oh, I, I wanted that insurance and you come to us and say, as a partner, is there any way I can sell this insurance and they could still get the pre-existing medical condition waiver? Usually it's about that or cancel for any reason. Usually it's, they didn't buy it within a certain amount of time because there are, you know, time sensitive benefits. So usually the, for the pre-ex waiver, so we would say, do you have anything in writing? 
and that would be an email exchange. Like here is your quote. Another reason to email quotes, okay? Here's your email quote. Let me know if you're interested. And if they wrote back and said, yes, I want it, and you forgot to buy it within 21 days, we can do an exception for that. Because Oh my gosh, I actually have someone that this would change their life. So- Thank you for sharing that. That's so interesting. Again, like to me from my HR background, if it's not in writing, it didn't happen. And that I think that's rule of thumb for anything risk. I mean, it's just that's that's also what HR is, I think, is like mitigating risk for a company. So to me, this is this is along those same lines. Okay, let's get into the fun stuff, which is money. Let's talk about commissions with travel insurance. What is the typical range of commission that someone's making on a policy? I, I would love to hear more about that, like PL allocation that you made. Like, I think that's such yeah. a smart strategy because it sets goals. And when you set yeah. goals, you're much more likely to hit right. that as a specific budget item. And, and there's different travel agencies handle things. All, you know, I've seen it all, but the ones that look at it as a true business have their ICs and their staff, and they have goals. And you, as an owner or uh, administrator on our, as a partner of ours, on our website, you can go on to the agent dashboard and you can see everybody's production. And so it is something that is not just like, oh, and here's travel insurance, you know, let me know if you want it kind of Mm -hmm. thing. It's, it is like, this is a business too. I mean, we're talking about the highest level of commission on any product for any travel. Don't leave money on the table. Like I tell people all the time, like, oh my gosh, like you're killing me because people will sell vendor insurance over, like my competitor is not not travel up. It it is vendor supplier insurance. You are not, by the way, required to sell that vendor insurance. Sometimes it looks that way. Mm -hmm. You're booking a, say, a cruise and it looks like you need to purchase that. Like in order to travel with us, you have to have insurance here, click here. And it's, you don't have to, you can sell your partner, sell your third party partner. It's a really good point because people are so likely or used to seeing that like click here when they're booking airfare. And it's like that insurance, first of all, is usually covering nothing, frankly. Right, like right. It's, There's like five reasons for trip canceling. Correct. Like the they're just cleaning up, raking in the money because they're scaring people into buying those policies. Well, I think, you know, it's interesting because during COVID, it really ramped up where all the cruise lines and, you know, tours, like they all got into the insurance business. And, and it's like, I love all my fellow suppliers in the industry, but stick to what you know, which is your cruising, your, you know, let the insurance companies deal with the insurance protection, the travel protection. And for us, we have two plans. Our worldwide trip protector plan, you'll make either 25% or 27% commission on that plan. So we're talking about on that little example I did with the 53-year-old and the $5,000 trip cost, um, that's $81 commission on that one plan. And if you sell 100 travel insurance policies throughout a given year, you're looking at who doesn't want $8,100, you know, like it can really add up. And that's a low ball, right? Like I was going to say, that's the low end of the spectrum. There are some advisors that, you know, maybe their average trip cost is 25, 50. Then you get in the ultra luxury space. And I've had ultra luxury clients like not get coverage. And it's truly just mind boggling to me because they sacrificed 12K a night for a house in Florida. They just walked away from it because a storm was coming. I'm like, well, if you'd bought the 
$2,000 policy, you know, you would have actually gotten 10K back from that because it was trip interruption and is a whole thing. And there was documentation for the weather and things like that. Like there, there could have been a case for them to actually recoup that money. But then also like you could get hit as the advisor if that vendor is like, well, they canceled the last night and then all of a sudden your numbers are off for the year. So there's a there's a lot of money to be gained, but there's a lot of money to be kept. Like you've, yeah. you've done the hard work. Why let someone's cancellation impact your hard work? Because I'm I'm looking at this and I'm like, I've quoted policies for $2,500 before they yes, bought it. Yes, I know. I, I just used a low example. No, I know. Again, the reason that we have over 30 reasons for trip cancellation on the Worldwide Trip Protector. I mean, so much so now that like we own a, a family, my husband owns a brewery. So <laughs> fun fact. Yeah, um, that's awesome. But it's self-employment and who, you know, there's so many people, especially travel advisors, that is now a covered reason, self-employment for trip cancellation. So there are so many reasons we added during COVID, like things like you don't think about, but there's so many reasons. And that's really what you want to look at. You know, you want to look at level of coverage and reasons for cancellation when you're comparing policies. This is awesome. I, I The reason I say that is not to... I'm not saying that like the the more economical trips, there is an opportunity. $8,100, I would gladly have it. I'm just saying there's an entire revenue stream, especially if you have high-end clients, that if you're really not incorporating this into your business practice as a really pivotal piece of your business strategy and your sales strategy, you're leaving a lot. I mean, you could be leaving hundreds of dollars on the table per trip. Yeah. Hundreds. Realistically. It's like, again, the biggest commission you, you can make on anything. So let's talk about that commission protection a little bit, because that really does come into play only when you're working through a preferred partner. So I would tell you to be careful of who your partner is because most of our competitors have done away with it. So double check, you know, if you're not working with us, we have commission protection on our worldwide trip protector plans. How it works is your traveler protects the full cost of their trip and they file a claim for a covered reason. Then you file for your commission protection and we pay up to a 15% commission. So if your commission is 15% or lower, you're going to make that commission back. So it's important. Did that, I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus, but did that removal of the commission protection kind of happen quietly? I haven't heard too much about that. Yeah, I would say so. Nobody really wants to be like, hey, by the way, <laughs> this way. your yeah. preferred partner doesn't prefer you anymore. <laughs> and I think it was during COVID. You know, a lot of things, oh, interestingly enough, brutal. changed during COVID. Yeah. Um, we we held strong with cancel. Like a lot of people took away cancel for any reason or diluted it. Um, we kept ours at 75% and stood by it. So <laughs> You know, again, it's like the whole partnership. I think you have to look at as a whole. That's really interesting. And I'll be honest, that's there are a multitude of reasons why I actually shifted to travel insured. And when we met, this was a newer relationship for us. You know that. So this, it's not like we had worked with travel insured for years and years. It was a, a realization that one, the commission levels were incredibly competitive, if not especially like intro in that introductory period, very alluring, but also the amount of time that you could opt in for CFAR, I think is incredibly competitive as well. 
And then the fact that you guys have kept on top of current events. So like during COVID, you had bed rest, which did qualify for, it was an add-on and we'll touch on add-ons next, but it was an add-on that actually helped compensate if someone was quarantined in the destination. So to me, I feel like Travel Insured has really thought about the benefit to the client and the advisor. And sometimes it feels like insurance companies are against you. And that's, I mean, that's the point of insurance, right? Like it's it's not, you're not just handing out money for any willy-nilly reason. You have to, it's a business. You, It is there for your protection. I actually have a file. I've just filed a claim the other day and I have to get all these forms and I'm like, oh, all these forms. But it's for a real reason and stick with the process because I have been compensated through my travel insurance claims before. I actually was scared that I had a blood clot while I was traveling in Greece and I had to get all of these extra ultrasounds while I was pregnant and got compensated for all of those claims. And now I had to come back early. So to me, they've always been unexpected reasons. And I want to point out that maternity was a covered reason. It wasn't considered a pre-existing condition, correct? Yes. And um, we do have the language surrounding that in our policies. I don't have it up on my screen, but yes. Okay. I just, I think sometimes people are like, how nuanced is this? How specific is it? But it really is a life changer. And sometimes it feels like it's meant to be made complicated, but it's meant to ensure that people are not abusing the system. And it's, it's meant to cover you in the right, in the right scenarios. Right. And I think, I think, you know, insurance has a bad reputation. Yeah. Oh, they, that's a scam or they don't want to pay. And, and it's really not that we, again, want to treat, we have to treat everybody the same. So we have to ask for the same information and make, and there are covered reasons. It's mm-hmm. insurance isn't going to cover everything. So make sure you're aware. And if you have questions, and especially as advisors in our company, you have an account manager and you have inside support. You don't need to contact our customer care team. And if there's a whole, you know, like you don't have to wait on hold for that you have an in right into getting information probably that same day you get answers. So it's important. And I know that, you know, that people have questions about certain things that are covered and what's the policy language really mean, you know, because some of the language, let's face it, it's like, oh boy, you know, do I have to read this 40,000 page document? So um, we can help with that. I think it's just important to know all insurance isn't created equal. We learned that particularly in light of COVID when everyone thought that a pandemic would be a covered reason. So you can't know what you don't know. Right? If if a pres- if a situation hasn't presented itself before, it's not like someone 10 years ago was like, well, is the pandemic a covered reason on my credit card insurance before I purchased this trip? But now we know. And I didn't mean to get on a tangent, but I say that because I do feel like Travel Insured has done right by both sides, by their clients and by our clients. And that's good to hear. <laughs> I really, I, that's why I've become a loyal purchaser. So we talked about add ons. In your opinion, this is subjective the best add ons for a policy because there's, it feels like a menu. It's like an a la carte menu when you go in and it can be a little overwhelming because you might not know the inclusions, but what do you think is worth the squeeze? The juice is worth the squeeze. So I think that when, you know, again, we have two policies. Um, the Worldwide Trip Protector is so robust and has so many things included in it. The cancel for any reason is a good add-on. If your travelers use the word uh, afraid, 
like I always say, it's the fear insurance. Like you're afraid that something might happen. Something could be, you know, there may be some disease out there or, or you're just afraid you're not going to feel good or whatever it is, you know, obviously medical's covered. So that's probably not a good one, but cancel for any reason is a great add on for people who are not sure they want to travel. The other one, and I made some notes because this one I think is great. It's electronic equipment. It's $4. Like that's a great add on $4. That means nothing, right? It's $2,000 coverage for your phone, your computer, you know, any electronic equipment that you're bringing with you. Is that um, loss or damage? Uh, both. So like wow. um, my husband- Leave your computer on the, in the back of the yeah. the airplane seat and oh, they yeah. can't recover. How many times have I left my phone in the airplane? It's so and I've gotten it back, by the way, every time. I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> because, <laughs> because you had the insurance. <laughs> Maybe. Actually, I have an annual plan and that's a whole other discussion, but we have a great annual plan. The annual plan, just like quick little blurb, you get an annual plan and then you can upgrade a C to a CFAR any add-ons per trip. So you have the annual plan as just like a general foundational coverage. So if you have, you know, kind of like a more basic trip, you can be covered quite easily. But if you have something of a higher value, you can actually go in and add on for a specific trip. So just as a side note, I'm a annual plan fan. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's available in 45 states. It's $94 a year. It's great coverage, 100,000 medical. Anyway, we could go if on. You are famming a lot. Every travel advisor should have that is how I feel. We also have an event ticket coverage. And I haven't talked to or dug into this too much, but it's a $1,000 coverage. It's a $34 fee to add it on. And it protects, you know, let's face it, events are so expensive right now, concerts and whatnot. So we do have that coverage. Another thing we have that I don't think anybody else has is interrupt for any reason. And that is if you're on your trip for three days, 72 hours, you know, maybe you're in Hawaii and it's like the next seven days are going to be horrible rain or there's some tropical storm. You can interrupt your trip and come home and get 75% of your uh, non-refundable trip costs back. So those are just some of the add-ons. You know, the, there's a couple more, but honestly, if the plan is so robust, there's not too, too many. Okay. We have uncovered a lot. Is there anything else that you feel like people should know about insurance that we have not touched on at an introductory level? Because there's, I think, probably a million other things that people- I know. And know. you know, each one of the things we talked about, I think you could dive deeper into. But I would say generally, I and I look at this from a new advisor perspective, don't be afraid of it. You know, have mentors. Talk to you. Talk to Jennifer. Find people that have been successful with it. If you don't know anyone, talk to me. You know, I can tell you how to do it. It's super simple. You don't have to get bogged down into too many details, but it's in your best interest to offer it and to make sure your traveler understands what's at risk. We used to have a waiver um, and we still have it on our website that you can make them sign and you can say that you're putting, you know, $20,000. I choose not to protect $20,000. Sometimes when you put it in writing, people kind of take a second glance, right? They, they're like, oh, do I really not want to protect $20,000? Maybe I do. Also your emails and that protects you as well. So I would say, you know, getting the person sending back the email, yes, I want it. No, I don't want it. You know, have them respond to you so that you have that paper trail 
and you can protect yourself. And, you know, I think the traveler will see also that you as the advisor are the one that is the expert and that you advise them and you tell them what, you know, make sure you take this transfer because these are my trusted people and you need travel protection. You know, this is why, you know, you don't, you, anything can happen. My, my thing is, like we said before, if you do not get everything in writing, then I think you're really putting yourself at risk. If you do not have an existing workflow that incorporates verbiage about travel insurance, I highly, highly, highly recommend creating one or purchasing ours. We have it in the show notes. Getting things in writing protects yourself. I think also if I were to do things over tomorrow, what I would do is anytime that someone said, yes, I purchased a policy, I would say, please make sure that I have that on file prior to your trip because you never know when you may need that information in order to help your clients. And I would like that even if they purchased it on their own. I personally want it in in my documents because I would like to know how I can assist them. As an advisor, yes, that's unfortunate that they purchased it on their own. There's no benefit to you. However, you're a resource for them and you can at least empower them with the information in a panicky moment. And that's what our entire job is about, is making sure that our clients feel secure, safe, and excited about their trip without having the worry of handling things on their own. And so to me, that epitomizes why travel insurance is so imperative in your client experience process. And it should be included in your wrap-up documents, like even if they didn't purchase it. like Make sure that you send me that policy. I want to include it in your wrap-up documents so that I can at least ensure that you have all the information in one place at your time of departure. And that way, it's just peace of mind for everyone. It's peace of mind for you to know that they have the proper coverage and it's peace of mind for them because you're able to give them direction in case they need it. So that would be my last piece of advice and something that I I would say I did not do well. And I would really have liked to reevaluate how I did that. And for anyone that's listening, I would challenge them to do the same. That's great advice. I haven't thought of that either. Um, And I would say to the 24-hour emergency assistance services that comes with our policies, every policy is something that people don't really think about too much, but it's really an amazing service. They do a lot more than, you know, send you to the hospital. They can help you with passport, theft, you know, anything, eyeglass breakage, you know, all the things that happen on a trip. So they're really, we are an extension of our advisor partners services. And that's how we look at it. We're partners and we have mutual travelers. So we are all looking out for the same person. And in a perfect world, to me, the list of emergency contacts would be first the DMC or the wholesaler, the point of contact, then your insurance company and give examples of when that would be called. And then me last, because I, if there's an emergency, I want you calling one, obviously someone that can help you get to a hospital or whatnot as quickly as possible, which may be your DMC, maybe your hotel concierge. But then I want you filing that claim and seeking out the best point of contact because I don't know what to do without going through your insurance policy. And I'm not going to be able to do that because that is your responsibility as a traveler. But please loop me in afterwards so that I can be a resource for you. So in your departure documents to me, if they have a policy, that would be a very highlighted in bold point of contact that's listed right under the DMC. Absolutely. Susan, thank you so much for this. How can advisors find you or how can they at least create a relationship with Travel Insured to sell your products if they want to do so? 
I'm easily contacted at my email, which is sbarbanel, B-A-R-B-A-N-E-L at travelinsured.com. Perfect. We'll put that in the show notes just so people can click and reach out to you. Thank you so much for joining us today, Susan. We could talk forever on this topic, (laughs) which sounds crazy to say about something like travel insurance. I wanted to say we are the new sexy, by the way. Oh, I love that. Travel insured, the new sexy. That's your new tagline. (laughs) This topic, it truly can be such a make or break for a client relationship as well. We appreciate everything you've shared and we're so grateful that you took the time to share your knowledge and experience. And thank you to our listeners for joining another episode of Teak Talks. If you're loving our content, we love and appreciate your support and feedback. Head on over to Apple Podcast, hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode when it drops. And while you're there, please, please, please leave us a rating and review so we know how we're doing. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teak Talk. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community, where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.